Believe it or not, I did no show prep for that entire last hour. Zero. I know. I know. Hard to believe, right? Zero. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, hour number three, the Pete Callender Show. And uh, the phone number is 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. The uh, email is Pete at thepetecallendershow.com, and Twitter is at Pete Callender. All right, back to what I was going to talk about uh, in the last hour, and then somehow or another ended up talking about bird calls and uh, chainsaws. So, uh, and again, without any prep. Don't, don't attempt that at home. I'm a trained professional on a closed course, okay? Um, price consumers pay for a wide variety of goods and services rose more than expected. All right, at some point, at some point, this is from CNBC's Jeff Cox. At some point, we need to stop listening to whoever it is that you're listening to because they're always they're always surprised by the results that come out. Everything is always more than expected or less than expected. It's never as expected. Have you ever noticed that? They were like, yeah, we totally nailed it. We predicted it was going to be, you know, 0.3, and it came in at 0.3. It's always more than expected or less than expected or lower than expected. So what do we got? This is annual inflation via the BLS, the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Men's apparel up 3.7%. Women's apparel is up 7.6%. Over last year. This is annual inflation. Rent is up 6.7. Used cars, 7.2. Ham, 8.1. Present company excluded. Fruit, 8.2%. All items, 8.2%. Vegetables, 9.2%. Furniture, 10.1%. Bread, 14.7, milk, 15.2, coffee, 15.7, chicken, 17.2, gas, 18.2, eggs, 30.5% inflation for eggs, 30.5%. Utility gas, 33.1%. And number one, Airline fares at 42.9%, which I think I could say, you know, it's totally worth it because they, they get so much right when flying, the airlines do, right? It's worth, it's worth paying the extra 43%, don't you think? 42.9% airline fares. These are, these are not just, you know, obviously like basic staples of life, things like Eggs, bread, milk, coffee, vegetables, ham, clothing, cars, rent. But it's also quality of life stuff, right? Airline fares means what? Visits with friends and family for celebrations or tragedies. It's going to cost more to go see your loved ones. That's a quality of life thing, right? On a 12-month basis, so-called headline inflation was up 8.2% off its peak of around 9% back in June, but it's still hovering near the highest level since the early 1980s. 
Now, what's going to happen is, we talked about this a couple months ago, what's going to happen is as each quarter, as each month you know, progresses and then each quarter progresses, you're, you're going to be looking back to the last 12 months to capture that annual inflation number. And what happens is once the inflation gets baked in, you go a year out, then the increases don't look as big anymore because you already saw the increase of 12%, 11%, but now that becomes the baseline. And now an inflation rate of 1%, they're going to take they're going to take credit for. Oh, look at that, it's only 1%. Yeah, it's only 1% on top of the 12% increase. That's already part of it. Ed Morrissey at HotAir.com, he says, what's the White House spin going to be on these numbers? What, it could be worse? Oh, it's Putin's fault? It's only two inches. Remember, that was the, <laughs> that's a reference to Joe Biden's comment in that interview where he's like, oh, it's just, it's just, a, it's just up an inch. Just an inch. It's just a little small. Whatever their spin, nobody's buying it any longer. Nobody can afford to buy it any longer. Like, literally. The Fed will likely escalate their war on inflation. The demolition of the economy under Joe Biden's demand stimulus economics will continue apace until somebody else puts supply side policies in place to halt inflation and provide real growth, especially in oil and natural gas, especially there. This from uh, Bloomberg, American households are enduring the longest streak of double-digit increases for monthly natural gas and electricity bills in decades, adding stress to cash-strapped budgets already hurt by widespread inflation. Gas bills in September were about 33% higher than a year ago. That is their 18th consecutive double-digit percentage gain. 18 consecutive gains of double digits. That's the longest streak in more than three decades when a 58-month run of gains like that uh, ended in September 1983. That's what we're looking at. That's what we're in the middle of right now. People talk about the gas shocks and the, the gas lines and you know the Carter uh, stagflation scenario and the malaise, right? All of that, that's what we're in the middle of right now with no end in sight because we don't have a leader that is going to move off of these economic policies that have caused the problem. Electric bills, which rose 15.5% last month, are on a seven-month streak of double-digit gains. 15, or sorry, seven straight months now. That is the longest run in a decade and a half. U.S. heating bills are poised to be even costlier given signs of soaring oil and natural gas prices and cooling temperatures ahead of winter along with the disruptions exacerbated by a European energy crisis and Russia's war in the Ukraine. Natural gas is the key fuel for many U.S. power plants and homes that rely on oil for heat, such as the Northeast. So there is something... uh, karmic, I guess you could say, about the areas that are going to get hit the hardest being the areas where these policies originated and the defenders of these policies and the promoters of these policies tend to live. 
this from Fox News, a piece by Chuck DeVore, who is, uh, let me see, he is the vice president with the Texas Public Policy Foundation. He was actually elected to the California legislature. He's a retired U.S. Army lieutenant colonel, and he's the author of a book called Crisis of the House Never United. And he says gasoline is up almost 26%, food up 11.4%. America went from energy dominance under the policies of Trump We even became a net exporter of energy for the first time since 1952. We're now a country in which the domestic energy industry is vilified. Federal regulators use their power to hinder energy production. American production of oil is off by about a million barrels a day since the pre-COVID peak under Trump in late 2019. That is an 8% decline. The Strategic Petroleum Reserve is now at its lowest level in more than 40 years, shortly after it was created. And he says this is dangerous. Biden's anti-domestic energy policies have caused oil and natural gas producers to be wary of spending money to boost production, while big banks' woke capital restrictions are gradually starving the oil and gas sector of the money needed to drill new wells. See, this is one of the things you'll hear people on the left argue about. Oh, they have all of these permits and they're not doing the drilling and they, they, they could access the stuff. Businesses, industries, right, they seek certainty. They, the more certainty, the more likely the investment to follow. People and businesses are less likely to take flyers on really, really expensive projects if they think that you're going to come in and shut them down because of policy changes in D.C. They're not going to be as interested in taking those risks. Why would they? Right? Why would they? You have stated that your mission is to put them out of business. Why would they seek to grow their business? Why would they take debt to grow their business or industries? That would be insane. That's the whole point, is it not? That's the whole point. You guys have said this is the whole point is to destroy those sectors, that uh, the, the fossil fuel sector, right, to destroy that sector of the energy uh, industry in order to force everybody to go on to these, quote, renewables. So this is by design. Why would you vilify the people when they're reacting to the thing in the way that you wanted them to react? They're doing what you wanted, right? They're not growing. The problem for the uh, the folks who make these policies is that They're now going to be the ones who suffer the greatest, the, quote, elites, if you will. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Robbie Coltrane, the actor who played Hagrid in Harry Potter, has passed away, age 72. Um, I just give you. Just, I just saw it move on the wire. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, so, talking about the uh, the economy, which is uh, not good, uh, and I think a lot of people are in denial about how bad it is. I, I think I mentioned this yesterday. Had a chat with my financial guy, and uh, we were talking about. Uh, you know, I have money in an IRA. Um, well, I'm all about the Irish independence. No, I'm kidding. It's in the it's in a investment vehicle, and uh, and so there's a there's a move you can make to move, to roll it into a Roth IRA, and so this way you 
You pay the taxes now, and the 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 bet there is that we're seeing a lower tax bracket, or you know, now than we're going to see in the future. So you're gambling that taxes are not going to be lower than they are right now. So you you pay the taxes now, and then whatever growth you see after that is yours. But you got to pay the taxes now, and. I was ready to do this because it makes sense, because I do believe that the taxes are going to go up in the future. But the problem is I'd have to pay all the taxes right now, and you can't just withhold that. They would count The, the IRS counts it against you as, as a distribution, and so you can't take the money that you're rolling over. So I'd have to come out of pocket. Well, I mean, it's not a lot of money, but it, that's the money we have saved. And... I can't drain that now because look I'm I'm very aware what happens the what happened the last time we were in a recession I lost my job because industries that rely on advertising get hit very hard when people when uh, budgets get cut because advertising budgets are the first to get cut and that's what happened in 08 09 right um and I remember one of the um, one of the managers here, I believe it was Rick Jackson at the time, and he said, uh, "You know, this isn't a matter of uh, of us, you know, not being able to close a deal with a business or not being able to knock on enough doors and cold call enough uh, potential clients." He said, "There are, and I forget what the number was, but there are a certain number of our clients. They're out of business. They're gone. There isn't anybody to call." to advertise on the station. They're just out of business. So the money that we save, my wife and I have saved, is for, that's our that's to weather the storm. Because we know when the storms hit, my uh, this, this industry is very susceptible uh, to taking it on the chin, you know? So it's, you know, there are things like that. There are, there are expenses we have cut. There are things that, uh, that we were buying that we no longer purchase. Um, so we're making adjustments. We have to, um, thank God we got our car cause her car died. Uh, we got the car before all of the craziness, uh, with the prices, I mean, which is actually was, it was starting at that point, but, um, it's gotten worse. Electricity prices, they're rising faster than inflation. California and New York, two States trying to be the leaders for the green energy revolution, They have just hit their consumers with electricity price hikes higher than the national average, up 16% through July in California, up 13% in New York. Californians now have the most expensive electricity in the lower 48 states. Households there are now paying 79% more for their electricity than the national average. That's insane. 79% more. We heard in the first hour from Pat Harrigan, who's running for Congress in the uh, 14th district and here in Charlotte, Gastonia, the newly drawn 14th district. And uh, he point out, he points out that we're very lucky to be in this area because we're powered by Duke powers, nuclear facilities. We, we have that luxury. We're already on nuclear. We, we generate enough that he says we, we transport water, uh, or electricity, rather, uh, uh, we transport it to other areas. Dean Hunter Baker 
Union University in Jackson, Tennessee, said the problem with living under postmodernism is that everyone is constantly tending the narrative instead of doing something useful. <laughs> it's just it's so true. It's so true. Uh, Glenn Reynolds quotes the dean at the New York Post in a piece he titles Elites Suddenly Realize They Need Blue Collar Workers They Derided. Now, of course, there are plenty of people that are doing something useful, right? Obviously, the world is full of those who uh, whose diligent and largely unsung work makes the lights stay on, the grocery shelves filled with food, the toilets flush, and even the Internet run, right? These are the people that have been ignored, denigrated, even subjected to a species of economic warfare for the last several decades, actually. But suddenly, people are now starting to notice that those folks matter. It's what Joel Kotkin calls the revenge of the material economy. The revenge of the material economy. The material economy stopped being cool sometime in the 90s. Right? Blue-collar workers were getting laid off. But economic pundits, like uh, the Secretary of Commerce under Bill Clinton, now a Berkeley professor, Robert Reich, as Rush called him. Robert Reich was describing them as obsolete. He said the future was going to belong to knowledge workers. Remember that term? Knowledge workers. Reich called them symbolic analysts. People who deal in abstract concepts, not in concrete doings. Symbolic analysts. I'd never heard this term until I read this piece today. Symbolic analysts. They, in other words, symbols like words or whatever, or you know, ones and zeros. But they just manipulate symbols, but nothing tangible, nothing real. Like me, right? Uh, I'm a, apparently a symbolic analyst. The idea seemed very satisfying to people who sat in front of computers for a living, manipulating symbols like journalists, academics, and bureaucrats. But it wasn't so great for other people. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Mike and the Mechanics. Huh? No, no, no. Dire Straits. What's the other one I'm thinking of? What was the other one I was thinking of? Working for a living. Is that Mike and the Mechanics? Anyway, uh, Dire Straits, yes. Dire Straits. Uh, the elites suddenly realize they need blue-collar workers they derided. That's the name of the piece by Glenn Reynolds. Uh, he says, it peaked during the COVID lockdowns when the, lop- the laptop classes worked comfortably from home while small businesses shut down under government mandates. Now the shoe is on the other foot. Ironically, the likes of Robert Reich were, uh, were able to take the material economy for granted Because it was so productive, right? The only reason why people forgot about its importance is because we have the luxury to do so. This is what happens, again, to that quote from Hunter Baker, the dean of Union University, Jackson, Tennessee. The problem with living under postmodernism is that everybody is constantly tending the narrative instead of doing something useful. This is what we... We're, everyone's all focused on this stuff, and it, it's born out of 
the ability to take it for granted because it has been provided. It's just, it's like the fish doesn't know it's wet, you know? But all of that is changing. When energy and good and uh, uh, goods and food are cheap and plentiful, they seem like part of the background, barely worthy of note. But that is changing thanks in large part to lousy policies symbolic analysts produced. The material economy cannot be taken for granted anymore. Let me go over here to Mark. Hello, Mark. Welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing great, Pete. I hope you are. I am doing well as well. Uh, to dovetail with what you're talking about on this piece, there was a, an article written back in February, I believe, by N.S. Lyons. And it was entitled, When Reality Honks Back. Hmm. And it was during the Canadian trucker strike. And it talked about this very thing in a little bit different terms. It talked about the virtual employees versus the physical employees. Mm-hmm. And they would, you know, people who work in finance or what have you, you know, they just say, make a command and thus it shall be. And things get done. Right. But that's not how things get done. And you, you can see it. Uh, I saw an article just this past week about the new Tesla's, Tesla electric semi. What broke down? <laughs> supposed to be delivered in six weeks. Pepsi's buying a whole bunch of them. Yeah. And people are going to realize that who are part of this virtual class who think, you know, electronics and computers and digital and green energy is the wave of the future. They're going to find out. Tank so McGee. You know, the reality is going to be that you're not going to get stuff. You live in a city. That's nice. How are they going to get your food to you? Mm-hmm. It's a, and it's going to become a stark reality to these folks. Yeah, people don't how understand. Out, I don't know. Yeah, people don't understand how things get done. I mean, it, it is as simple as that. I mean, think about, uh, like, the kid. I've seen, I've seen children that can't even speak know how to operate a smartphone. Literally start swiping through, and they'll go up to various screens and just start trying to swipe it like TV screens, you know, because they, 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 they're just raised in it. They don't have any understanding of how that piece of machinery works, just that it does. And what happens when you have that kind of uh, experience with everything, everything around us, from your food to your water to your home to your car, everything? It's, it's going to, like I say, it's going to be a rude awakening for a lot of people. Um, you know, we saw it during the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, we've had a, a pretty good-sized garden for several decades. Mm-hmm. You, couldn't find, you couldn't find plants to buy, flats of tomatoes and stuff like that, because people were buying in way more stuff than they, they needed. They'd never gardened before. It would all die in a week or two, and they'd be back buying more. Mm-hmm. And I had a number of people that uh, have supplied us with plants and over the years, and they're saying, I don't get it, man. I'm telling them not to buy all this stuff. But they do it anyway. Right. You know, it's, all, it's almost like the old joke about the guy that wanted to raise chickens, so he ordered some chicks. And a few months later, somebody asked him, how's it going? He says, I don't know. No, don't, not, they all died. He said, why is that? He said, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't plant them far enough apart or deep enough apart, you know. Exactly. There you go, Mark. All right, I appreciate it, buddy. Have a great weekend. It's good to hear from you. Bye. All right. Uh, Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be an issue, I think, for a lot of homeowners associations if people start trying to put in gardens. It's gotten a little bit better. I know it's going to be a fight I'm going to have to have because they limit us on the size of the gardens and all that. 
And, uh, you know, we just moved in. We haven't even been in our house a year, but that is part of the plan. <laughs> uh, you know, I started, I planted a couple of herbs in a little uh, raised uh, bed out uh, off the back door. They're dead already. So, uh, and I, there's only a couple of them. But this is my first attempt at it, okay? It's my first attempt at growing some herbs. Well, those kinds of herbs. That's <laughs> back in college. No, I'm kidding. Um, all right. So uh, Glenn Reynolds, who, by the way, he is the uh, he's a University of Tennessee law professor, but he's also the founder of Instapundit.com, the blog, uh, sort of the granddaddy of bloggers. And uh, and so this is his write up at the New York Post. He says the conflict between the material economy and the economy based in ephemera. Right. There's so nothing in the ether, just this. Like what I do. Right. Like the, the, the knowledge based economy. If you're not actually doing stuff. You're building stuff. You're moving stuff. Right. Physical material economy. Right. Versus the, the non-physical economy. Um, this is likely to define the coming political conflicts, both within countries and between them. This is this is going to be the fault line. And as Mark referenced, the uh, the Canadian truckers, the political classes are still mostly in denial. In fact, there's a strong flavor of uh, scarcity is good coming from elite quarters. Not kidding. I saw this article yesterday that he cites here. The U.N.'s Chronicle website published and then later deleted an article saying hungry people are the most productive people. So actually starving is pretty good because it keeps you motivated to work. This, uh, this week, the U.N. Meteorological Agency chief opined that the war in Ukraine may be a blessing for climate change efforts because the resulting shortages are blacking out a lot of Europe. Yay! But most people don't want to be poor. They don't want to be hungry and sitting in the dark, even if the leadership feels otherwise. There's an old joke. What did socialists use before candles? Electricity. And of course, we all know that the leadership won't be missing any meals or living by candlelight, right? Just as the elites cheerfully evaded COVID rules when it suited them, they'll continue to live large while the little people are asked to sacrifice. The question is, what if the little people refuse to go along? News Talk 1110-993, WBT, <laughs> Substack, uh, I don't know what to call these things, blog, is it a blog, Substack newsletter, called Points and Figures, it's written by Jeffrey Carter, uh, it's an economics, uh, you know, market kind of uh, blog or newsletter, uh, I talked about housing prices have cracked and are in a bear market now, real estate markets all over the country are frozen. Food prices are skyrocketing. Um, it's no better in the rest of the world either. He says, we are in a recession and we are going into a deep one. If the Biden administration didn't do two things, we wouldn't be in as bad a shape as we are in now. Number one, a total all-out war on American fossil fuels. And number two, massive increases in government spending. We would still have some inflation due to COVID, but the deliberate actions of Biden and the congressional Democrats have put more fuel on the pyre and lit it. The Fed needed to raise rates a lot sooner than they did. We had 0% rates for so long and less than 2% rates for a long time. But 
if Biden wouldn't do what he did and continue to pursue it, rates would be moderating right now. Instead, the Fed is left with no choice but to raise rates. But raising rates doesn't do anything if the government doesn't quit spending and energy is expensive. Dairy is up 21%. Over 12 months, dairy is up 21%. And even if you get a Republican Congress after the midterms, this guy says it's only going to slow down. It doesn't stop. It doesn't get reversed. I mean, and that's assuming Republicans are going to cut spending and do the right things, which is a pretty big assumption, right? I mean, some are going to be better than the Democrats, but there are plenty of stupid Republicans. So at best, we can hope for a slowing down, but not a stop, not a reversal. He says, I see a lot of layoffs happening in a lot of different and unrelated industries. Every day the Joe Biden economy takes a bigger and bigger chunk out of your net worth and increases the drain on your savings with the cost of living increases. This is uh, related to what Ed Morrissey wrote. I think it was somewhere in it's about 3%. Ed Morrissey at Hot Air uh, tallied it up and said, essentially, it's a 3% pay cut everybody has taken. A 3% pay cut from last year. Everyone. Minimum. So... I mean, vote like your entire uh, standard of living depends on it, because it kind of does. Uh, A couple of uh, things, just want to give our condolences to the uh, family and friends and colleagues of Dr. Ada Ada Fisher, who passed away this week. She was a longtime leader in uh, North Carolina Republican politics. Dr. Fisher served as the RNC's committee woman for the state for more than a decade, and Uh, She passed away uh, at the age of 74 last Friday. Uh, The chairman of the North Carolina GOP, Michael Watley, said Dr. Ada Fisher was a trailblazer whose distinguished life of accomplishment and service is an inspiration to all North Carolinians. She grew up in Durham, and according to the Carolina Journal, she earned her undergrad degree from uh, UNC Chapel Hill. She went on to University of Wisconsin for medical school, earned a master's of public health from Johns Hopkins University. Uh, She served in the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. She ran a health clinic in rural North Carolina. She worked on the Republican presidential campaigns of George W. Bush, John McCain, Mitt Romney, and Donald Trump. In 2016, she served as a delegate to the Republican National Convention and made the formal announcement to nominate Trump. So Dr. Ada Fisher, rest in peace. And uh, you'll be missed. Ice down that igloo cooler. Take a guess at all to do her. I can feel a good one coming on. Throw in Ray Wiley Hubbard. Sing along to Redneck Mother. All right, that's going to wrap it for the week. I enjoyed last night on the uh, the live stream. 
the Talktoberfest presented by Kristen Bernard and Power Home Team, Keller Williams, South Park. Tons of fun. More details in a minute. Top Mustang followed us down to the lake and didn't have to think about that too long. Skinny dipping in the bright moonlight. Situation couldn't be more right. I can feel a good one coming on. Yeah. By the way, for those who are curious, no, there was nothing actually in the coffee mug except coffee last night. The the decanter of the whiskey behind me was purely for effect. It was the bit. That was the joke. So, but I did have some of it after the live stream was over. Right. All right. Have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday. Don't break anything while I'm gone. Oh, we gonna get the feeling right. We gonna-